three, two. Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers. This is Father Brian Mulligan. Joined by Father Tay Hong. Today we're going to talk about another sacrament called the Eucharist. Before we begin, we can tell them that this is recorded at 6 o'clock in the morning. We got up at 5 to record this, so... Out of love for you. We got a little bit of coffee in our system. But, uh, no, let's talk about one of the most beautiful sacraments, the Eucharist. Where Jesus gave us his body, blood, soul, and divinity to be with us to the end of time. Correct. So, before you even talk about the Eucharist, um, one, of the, one of the things we should talk about is just viewing it from different aspects. So, one of the, one of the ideas that Father Brian were talking about is viewing the Eucharist as the source of love. Right? This idea of having love and infinite supply, because then when we have this a place to go where it's infinite, keeps on giving itself in love, which is Jesus Himself, that we're able to draw upon the love and to give that love away. So this would be in reference to the Eucharist, because the Eucharist is the gift of love from God given to us without any of our own merits, because it was done out of love, and then this love was manifested as His only begotten Son Jesus who in turn gave himself away as bread of life for the world. Right, and it's the whole entire parallel with um, him giving of his will the night before on Holy Thursday, him giving himself up basically to death on Thursday night, giving his will up to his passion the following day, and then following through that. So it's a representation of, every Mass is a representation of the Paschal Mysteries, which is, uh, his life. No, not his life. His death. His passion, his death, his and resurrection. That's what I meant. Yeah. Ascension, Pentecost, actually. Correct. So all of those take place every Mass. But So Jesus giving that uh, gift away of himself and that radical um, sacrifice of the cross, making being the bloody sacrifice made unbloody, uh, for us to be, for our, it to be our food, <laughs> the resurrection, uh, the ascension, Jesus going to the right hand of the Father. So we're also participating in a heavenly liturgy, Correct. which is why we don't want to mess around with the liturgy from the church, um, because it's given to us from the church and for the heavenly litur- liturgy participation in that, and then uh, it's. Uh, the panic air, it's Pentecost. It's um, the Holy Spirit coming back down into our hearts uh, through the Eucharist. Beautiful. <coughs> In the Catechism, um, number, paragraph number 1324 describes it as this. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The other sacraments and indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the Apostolate are bound up with the Eucharist now oriented toward it, for in the blessed Eucharist contained the whole, is contained the whole spiritual good of the Church, namely Christ Himself, our Pasch. And no doubt, um, with, with all the things that are going on in COVID-19, um, this has shed a new light to it, right? We begin to realize how difficult it is to be away from the sacraments, but also at the same time, Christ is inviting us to discover who He is on a deeper level. 
Um, because the Eucharist is a part of who we are as a people. At the same time, we need that relationship with Him from the Word of God and all of them combined together to shaping us into the kind of people that we are. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a be- it's a very beautiful sacrament and a humbling sacrament. You know, because when you think about it, how does one have a humble, appreciative view of the Eucharist? Right? Because right now we're living in a world where before COVID-19, we were able to receive Jesus so frequently and all the churches were pretty much open. And so it was easy to think of the Eucharist, the source of summit, as quote-unquote having a tank, right? Where you go up and fill up your tank uh, to be nourished. That's not bad of a thought, but at the same time, God wants to do so much more. It's not about us filling the tank. It's about us receiving the love that God had intended from the beginning and how God wants us to remain in that love and to love Him for who He is not for the things that He gives to us but who He is in Himself any more thoughts on this Father Brian? yeah I think there's a real sense of um, the dynamic of it once when I receive Jesus I can obviously multiple ways in prayer and in living my life with him, uh, a total um, surrender to him and his will, um, and a striving to do that more and more better. We also have this idea that, uh, okay, so where does the Eucharist come from? What is it? Um, you can look at, you know, uh, the manna, the manna in heaven, uh, the manna come down from heaven. Jesus even says, you know, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread shall live. Um, and have life within them. So Jesus is telling us um, the radicalness of the statement of uh, the Eucharist, of him being able to give himself. And some will say, well, how can he do that? Well, and that's actually what the Israelites say. How can he do that? Um, I don't know. Jesus happens to be God. Uh, He can kind of do what he wants. (laughs) Um, So... Which is exactly what he does in John, right? In John's Gospel, he has walking on water, he has the multiplication of loaves, and then he teaches about the Eucharist. So he shows us what he can do with his body, he shows us what he can do with bread. Why not put them together and say, uh, this is my body, and this is my uh, flesh, this is true drink, and this is true food. So that Jesus can live in us, so that we can give that radical witness of love away into our vocation of life but at the same time to not have a uh, ownership of the Eucharist but a humble service to the Eucharist um, which is for all of us we know none of us have the right to the Eucharist Uh, it's merely a gift uh, of the Lord uh, to us of himself so from coming from the perspective of a priest, right? It's a privilege right. to be able to celebrate the Mass and to bring Jesus to all of you <coughs> who are listening to this podcast. That's a great segue into the next part, <coughs> which is how do how do we as a Catholic people have um, a greater mystery and appreciation for the Eucharist? Because sometimes, wherever we are in our faith journey, we can <coughs> tend to view the Eucharist as the, the beautiful moment where we experience the most intimate encounter with Christ. 
you know, you have all the bells and whistles, right? You, you felt this intense peace. You could hear his voice. You felt this love overwhelming you. And which is a beautiful experience and grace that you should always keep in the back of your mind. But for us, the temptation then is to always think and always to rely on that experience as the way that you view Jesus in the Eucharist. This is a very hard truth, but also a humbling truth, is that if you look at the scriptures, the Eucharist isn't flashy. When God appears to Elijah, there was a huge earthquake, there was a huge wind. There was a huge fire. But Elijah wasn't afraid of any of those things. But he felt prostrate at one thing. And it was God whispering to him that he knew it was the Lord. Or when Samuel, when he was a little child in the temple, God keeps calling up to him because he was the most receptive during moments of sleep. Where our hearts are really opened, when our guard is down. It's also in the silent moment of the mission of the incarnation of God becoming flesh. Growing in the quietness of the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I just want to iterate that, right? We live in a world that if it's not a green screen and doesn't have a soundtrack, we don't really pay attention to it. Um, we don't know. As Cardinal Seurat's book would say, the power of silence uh, versus the dictatorship of noise. Mm. Uh, which is, I just finished up that. But Beautiful book. Anyways, that real sense that... Um, we don't know what it is to be silent. We don't know what it is to be able to receive Jesus in the silence, in the silence of our life, but even in the silence of the Eucharist um, and the crazy reality that it is Jesus. And if it's Jesus, it is Jesus. It's not like, oh, it's Jesus for me, but not for you. Uh, that's what we call relativism. Uh, not a very good place to go um, because then it's your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And that that's just be. dumb. That can't be. It can't be because you're using the word truth in the same way for both statements, and that's not truth. So Jesus is truth. Eucharist is truth. Mm -hmm. And Scripture has often said, right, you know, God is the only one that makes it rain, both the just and the unjust. I know this is coming from left, but if you really think about it, what is our perspective of God? Kind of what Father Brian saying because he both loves he loves everyone both the just and the, the just and the unjust. <clears throat> so the, <clears throat> that's a bigger challenge is the Eucharist unites all of us in our faith because we realize that's what it is. It is it was Christ's passion, it was his death, it was his resurrection and his and his ascension that unites us in faith to saying that we've been saved right from our sins, um, we've been called to enter a deeper freedom and relationship with Christ. So how do we continue to have that healthy outlook, a balanced outlook of life? Um, which is a good segue into our into the next topic, which is what does the word Eucharist means? It means an act of thanksgiving. We've all had experience of those people, right? Where you you're hanging out with someone and no matter how well things are going, there's always something to be nitpicky about, right? We often call them pessimists. But the real underlying thing uh, between optimistic people and pessimistic people, it's not the terms. It's how do you view life through the eyes of a grateful person. If you have a heart full of gratitude, you're always finding and discovering where is Christ's blessing for me today? Where is God's love waiting for me today? You don't focus on the negative. You realize every day and every moment is an opportunity to be thankful. Because when you're thankful and look at people's blessings and how they're a blessing to you, 
you enter deeper into the relationship, which is the Eucharist. Everything you do from your heart says, I've been loved by God. I've been forgiven by God. I've been made whole by God. And it was such a wonderful experience for me that I feel compelled to go out and to share this story with others around me so that they too can come to the same realization that we're all children of God, we're meant to be free, and how the Eucharist can unite all of us together. Mic drop. Mm, I got nothing, bro. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. No, and, uh, and, and to be honest, like for me as a priest during these times, it's been so hard and difficult, but yet a blessing. It reminded me of why I became a priest, right? Like you said so beautifully. Christ has loved me, and so my priesthood is a gift. And the Lord is asking us priests and, and all the faithful one more time, right? Do you trust me? Do you love me more than conquering this, right? Than mastering this, than grasping this. <laughs> How do we live as a people that that's thankful and grateful for all the things that God has given to us, right? The gift of eternal life. The fact that Jesus is able to be with us from generation to gener generations through the offering of the Holy Sacrifice at the Mass. Silence is also good. I just, I just wanted you guys to kind of ponder about that. Just ponder. Mm. Because one of the quotes, what did you say, Father Byron, as we were planning this podcast, that our thinking, right, correct? Let me pull that up. Well, the Irenaeus quote. Yeah. Our way of thinking is attuned to the Eucharist, and the Eucharist is in turn confirms a way of thinking. Jesus attunes us to Jesus and then we are tuned to Jesus and then Jesus is the way we think. Mm -hmm. Not the way I think, but the way Jesus thinks. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. How, how do we live out in the world today? Oh, St. Paul says it right. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. My flesh has died. Mm -hmm. If I, we have the Spirit in us, let us lead, live by the Spirit's lead, not by our own. That's how you do it. Just do what St. Paul said. Just read all of his letters. <laughs> Just do the St. Paul life. It's way better. Amen. He desires to be with you. And if we can show them the love and mercy which God has given to us, their hearts can be changed. There have been so many conversions due to the Eucharist because it's a humbling thing. In fact, um, you know, it makes us think, why would God love me that much, right? If he, if he knew what I had done in my past, why does he continue to choose to love me, right? And the answer is, because he loves us. <laughs> he doesn't look at us at our imperfection. He says, I've created you for good. Because he is love. Yeah, and he is love, exactly. Ooh, Trinity. Yeah, amen, amen. So does it make sense. I love it. Yeah. And so, and so, my brothers and Christ, I encourage you to have the, the humility to always think about that. Like, God just loves me. Right? So, how would my life change if I knew that I have someone who continually loves me and supports me? Right? How would my life look different than now? Um, we can go, go on and on and on, but I really encourage you is 
in your time, go to your silent room, right? Go to a church. And if you never prayed before, ask God, right? Who are you? Ask those deep questions. Who are you? Why did you come into this world? Why did you create the world? And if the Eucharist is so good, how come I'm not experiencing any healing or whatever that Father Brian and Father Taylor are talking through this podcast? Remember, it's a process of healing. So allow him to come into the science of your heart and listen. And he will lead you. Lastly, we want to leave you with uh, quotes from two of the saints. There's a whole bunch of saints that have commented about the Eucharist. But John Chrysostom um, says, It is not man that causes things offered to become the body and blood of Christ, but he who was crucified for us, Christ himself. The priest, in the role of Christ, pronounces these words, but their, po- but their power and grace are God's. This body, this is my body, he says. This word transforms the things offered. So the real sense of, we call that in persona Christi, and so especially during the Eucharist, all the, all the sacraments, but especially during the Eucharist, the priest is acting on behalf of Christ, and Christ is acting in and through him. And then St. Ambrose uh, says this about uh, the conversation. Uh, Be convinced that this is not what nature has formed, but what blessing has consecrated. The power of blessing prevails over that of nature, because by the blessing... By the blessing nature itself is changed. Could not Christ's words, which can make things, make from nothing what did not exist, change existing things into what they were not before? It is no less a feat to give things their original nature than to change their nature. Is that real sense that? Jesus is God, and that God brought into existence everything that is out of nothing. So why would it be anything uh, of difficult for God to bring about the Eucharist? Uh, to change the original origin, or to change the nature that's already there, bread and wine, into his very body and blood. So those are two, two church fathers that... Uh, We're talking about the Eucharist and the reality of it. So we'll leave you with that. Uh, Thanks for listening to Practical Rambling Fathers. Stay holy, my friends. And we will be talking next week about, I think, confirmation. Peace out.